You're listening to Level Up's Emerging Market Series with Melissa Zalou from IronSource and Tom Wyman, Senior Market Analyst at NewZoo. So welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. This is the fifth episode of our exciting series on emerging gaming markets, which I'm co-hosting with Tom Wyman, who's Senior Market Analyst at NewZoo. After a great discussion last episode, very lively discussion about the Latin American uh, gaming market, today we'll be focusing on Kenya and Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, And to help us talk about uh, this market or these markets, our guest today is Douglas Ogeto, who's co-founder and CEO of Ludique Works, which is a pan-African game publishing company, game development accelerator, and dedicated game fund. That's quite a mouthful. Uh, So Douglas and uh, Tom, thank you very much for being on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure as well. Thanks for having me. So Douglas, um, your, let's kind of start with your background. You're co-founder and CEO of Ludique Works, as I said. Can you kind of give us um, uh, perhaps a high-level summary of all the different things uh, that Ludique Works do? Um, yeah, thanks Thanks for this opportunity. So Ludique Works is the Africa's uh, fastest-growing, award-winning game publishing company. And what we do is basically aiming to help uh, studios or game developers based out of Africa uh, with support in terms of their marketing, distribution, and monetization of their games, uh, whether mobile, PC, or console. Wonderful. And kind of, can you tell us about your um, personal journey in the gaming industry uh, and how did you kind of end up at uh, one of Africa's biggest game game publishers? Yes, so my background is uh, IT or tech. Um, I've been in the technology industry here in Africa for the last nine years, Um, been able to do different ventures, whether branding, ed tech, um, and also working with uh, entrepreneurship organizations in terms of supporting entrepreneurship, either with access to funding, market visibility, um, or also access to new markets. Uh, So through this journey, I've possibly had the best, uh, if I could say, front seat to see how technology has been evolving, um, especially for the African market. Um, And through this journey, either by doing ventures or also engaging with other entrepreneurs, I was able to try and see some trends, um, as well as also try and identify where I could be able to uh, provide a niche in terms of supporting entrepreneurs in the long term. Uh, so in the course of this journey, yes, I was definitely asking myself questions, which is a good industry, which is which has good market size and potential. Um, and in that journey, I was able to meet my co-founder, Nathan Masiko, um, who also has uh, a vast experience, 13 years in the gaming and esports industry. Um, so in the course of these conversations, uh, myself being mostly from a business advisory uh, kind of, 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 of background, because um, my, my background is in tech, but my strong points have been in uh, doing partnerships and business development. And, and Nathan being on the flip side, also from a technology background, but with more of a front seat in terms of building games, game design, etc. Um, it became apparent that, hey, yes, there's a need to support the gaming ecosystem. Um, and then we then said, hey, we actually have complementary skills. Why don't we enter 
into this and support more whether local and as well as pan-african so that's been the genesis of how i actually ended up uh, into the gaming industry not a gamer wow. myself interestingly um <laughs> have a bit i'm more of a casual player not a hardcore uh but nathan is more of the hardcore guy so we actually got to bring uh, our different skill sets and strong points and thus uh, began the journey for ludic works Mm-hmm. Yes. And and in 2018, um, you guys launched the Africa Game Developers Initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about what the goal was there and, and what the network looks like now? Um, so during the conversations we had, we realized that, hey, um, Nathan being a game developer himself, uh, we were like, um, what what are actually the pain points that uh that affect game developers. Um, we started scouting out, um, is this a similar journey for other game developers here in Kenya, um, neighboring countries and across the continent? And then we realized, hey, um, yes, there are game developers on the continent, uh, but they exist in small pockets uh, ac- ac- across the continent in different cities, each of them working individually, trying to build a game. Um, and, and this made us realize, hey, how do we, you know, as compared to traditional software developers, they're, they're easily available. You could always, um, if you scroll through your phone book, it's easy to come across one. But if you needed to find a game developer, then it was a, a bit more tricky because you really didn't know where to go or how to find them. So looking into our network, we said, hey, why don't we try and aggregate these guys, um, bring them onto one platform, and then hopefully see how they could know each other uh, because as you might know building a game is needs different skills and that cannot be done by any one person so we said hey african game developers are self-taught um why don't we now bring them together and hopefully uh build a community and this is actually what was this became the birth of the africa game developers community um currently it spans uh, 16 plus african countries uh because definitely um, there's that viral effect where I know a game developer, he knows some another game developer. Um, so we kept inviting each other. And then now this was able to um, build this community, which uh, spawned 16 African countries, as I mentioned, and over 500 members. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and so, it's well, Tom, I think it's clear, Douglas has already sort of uh, started to hint at the, the kind of scale um, and diversity of this market. Can you sort of give us an overview of the countries that make up kind of the sub-Saharan African mobile gaming region uh, and talk a little bit about the history of the market? Absolutely. Um, so first of all, I'd like, I would personally like to say that I'm also very much looking forward to this podcast because I'm ready to admit that even at Newsu, we know very little about what makes up the uh, sub-Saharan African gaming market. I feel like it's an underrepresented gaming market uh, on a global level. And um, it, it's also difficult for us to, to get insight into what's going on. So very excited to be doing this. Um, now to talk about the history, um, from my understanding, there really isn't that much of a larger history that um, predates mobile gaming. And it really started picking up a little bit when um, smartphones entered the cheap smartphone, entered the African market and people were able to uh, play games through those. Um, And that's represented in numbers. Like uh, currently this year, we um, forecast that the uh, sub-Saharan African market um, will still be be below 1 billion. Um, Now that's a large number uh, in isolation, but if you look at it on a global scale, it's really uh, 
a very small part of the global number. Um, and although um, the growth rate is quite high, above 20%, um, even in a couple of years, it's still uh, a small market by comparison. Now, uh, to answer your questions, what markets make up uh, this uh, region? Um, primarily, the biggest one is South Africa, um, which is kind of a market in isolation as well. Um, and then following Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, of course, um, and some of the other larger uh, African countries. Um, but there's South Africa, then there's Nigeria, then there is a quite a gap uh, to the uh, next biggest countries, uh, which are Ghana and Kenya, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so Douglas, um, Tom has, has mentioned uh, Kenya as, as one of the kind of um, growing gaming hubs in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and in 2016, I think the, the industry there was worth uh, 50 million and, and now it's kind of set to reach 114 million. What do you think are some of the factors that are driving uh, growth of mobile gaming in Kenya? Uh, and, and is it any different from kind of other emerging markets? Uh, thanks for the good, uh, good question. So I think Kenya sits in a beautiful uh, spot um, if, if you look at the African continent. Um, some of the factors that have definitely contributed to this are the undersea cable. Um, so like most of the cables from Asia, Europe uh, do terminate here in Kenya. Um, and then from Kenya, this is able to uh, spread to the rest, connect to the rest of the continent. Um, so with this, this has definitely reduced the price of data. Um, and, and, and this is actually, I mean, internet is definitely key for um, gaming. Um, so we definitely see this as one of the pillars in terms of what is driving uh, growth. Um, secondly, um, as you may all know, uh, Africa is mobile first, is a mobile first economy. Um, so th definitely, again, prices of smartphones have been slowly or rapidly uh, decreasing in terms of price. Uh, so it means that now even someone who's at the base of the pyramid can be able to own, own a smartphone. Um, so also this now coupled with the combined with the um, affordability in terms of data, this is definitely contributing to this. Um, and um, if, if you look at also Kenya being a cosmopolitan market, it means that, you know, I might have that cousin from other parts of the world who maybe comes to visit, to visit every so often. Um, they probably are exposed to the gaming market, so they also now are able to introduce... Um, you know, there's that exchange that like, hey, have you played this game, this game? So this is definitely now helping with people trying out more, much gaming much more. Um, and then also in as much as tax is quite high, so local, many, many people can't afford buying consoles locally, but, you know, you always have that cousin who might be coming and then able to bring you a console. So um, more, many, many more people are having access to, consoles and, and PCs, which will definitely is definitely leading to these numbers. Um, and then I think lastly, we also have what we call cyber cafes. Um, so these cyber cafes now have transitioned um, into gaming cafes. So this is actually helping now expose people to gaming from a very young age. So um, definitely as they grow up, they have they get access to disposable income and definitely some of this goes into um, purchasing games or you know paying for those in-app purchases. Um, and this is definitely what is leading to the spike. 
Very interesting. Um, and, and Tom, anything to kind of add to that from the Newsy perspective? Uh, not much to add, but I find it very interesting to learn that um, because taxes are so high, um, people, I assume what you mean is that people are buying consoles abroad and then bringing them into the country to play there. Is, is that what you uh, meant, Douglas? Yes, that's what I meant, yeah. Because uh, okay. if you buy from a local distributor, it's probably a bit more expensive uh, just because uh, Kenya, for example, has high taxes on important on important goods. But if you are able to buy it from outside markets, then this is definitely much more better. Okay, that's a good insight. Thank you. Um, perhaps to move on to the to the next topic, um, I noticed that Ludic Works uh, publishes hyper casual games. Um, is this genre particularly popular in Kenya uh, for both developers and gamers? Or and do you see any other genres that have potential for growth this year as well? Um, yes, so hype, yes, so we publish Hyper Casual, which is um, our first offering to the market. Um, I mean, developers are definitely experimenting with different kind, kind of games. So we said, hey, uh, what's the best opportunity we could probably get uh, help us jumpstart the market since the continent is still uh, young in terms of gaming. So Hyper Casual is our first offering. Uh, but generally... Uh, developers are exploring anything from MMOs to uh, endless runners to, um, you know, like, uh, how, how am I call it? Um, any, anything in between. So, um, yeah, we, we pretty much are open to all genres, but uh, universes are also something that are quite, uh, we've seen as a, as a trend in, uh, in, the, in the community. Okay, uh, you mentioned some of the other developers are looking at on the other uh, genres. Um, can you name some of the publishers and studios that are making a name for themselves? Um, so on the content, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not any other game publisher on the aspect. Uh, but then in terms of studios, uh, maybe I'll just mention a few in terms of some of who've been able to make mileage. Um, so we have Semblance, for example, from South Africa. Um, who were the first to get uh, the games on Nintendo. Um, we have studios like Kukulu from Ethiopia, um, a mobile game um, that had, had, has been able to make quite um, big inroads. Um, and then we also have like Mzito uh, from Kenya uh, that, that's also been building a mobile universe that at, at least has been uh, uh, been growing quite, quite, quite fast, yeah. And what's the what's the state of competition um, in uh, in Africa or, or specifically in Kenya at the moment? Is it dominated by larger companies, um, or do you sort of see a lot of new uh, smaller studios or, or one man shows kind of uh, pop up on a regular basis? Um, That's for you. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's mostly just studios, um, people experimenting. Um, I mean, gaming gaming is still new, so we really don't have many people on the corporate side. Um, I think maybe what I'd just add is that um, most studios in Africa, and if you also look in South Africa, for example, most actually get outsourcing work from Europe um, and US, for example. So it's mostly studios trying to tap into global opportunities uh, just because, you know, the cost of talent is probably much more competitive than if you were to build the same game in Europe, for example. 
Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about some esports. Um, you mentioned your partner is uh, is knowledgeable of esports as well, so perhaps we can talk about it a little bit. Because um, we found in our research that the first uh, pan-continental African esports event actually took place in Kenya's capital Nairobi in October 2019. Um, what can you tell us about the esports market? right now in Africa? Is it still a small minority or do you see that its popularity is growing among the mainstream gaming audience? Um, esports is definitely growing. Um, so just to correct, we yes, we do have the Africa Esports Championship, uh, which is aimed to take place uh, at the end of last, last year. Unfortunately, that didn't happen uh, oh. just because of, uh, uh, you know, working with corporates and trying to lock in sponsorship. Um, but the whole, I mean, we definitely were able to make a number of achievements in that front. Um, so the Africa Esports is... Uh, a fraternity of about 24 African countries uh, led by individual members who are pro esports, uh, either by interest or seeing the opportunity. And we said, how do we harmonize the, the continent in terms of coming together to identify young talent um, and be able to support them to actually be able to play this professionally, uh, just the same way it's happening uh, in other continents. So we were able to run three titles. Um, uh, that was uh, FIFA, Tekken, and Street Fighter. Um, each of these 24 African countries ran national leagues, and the idea was to now get the top winners, top three in each of these titles, to then come to Nairobi to now compete and then be um, recognized as, 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 as the African winners in, in the titles. So definitely this is still ongoing. Um, and, and we hope that we will be able to achieve this um, this year as well, uh, despite the uh, pandemic. But to answer your question, yes, it's it's definitely definitely uh, growing. And we were also able to get um, here in Kenya, for example, we made uh, uh, in partnership with our esports uh, production partner, What's Good Studio, uh, we were able to make episodes that were um, actually were aired on, on uh, free to air uh, TV. Um, so this is actually a first on the continent where you get esports content uh, being aired on on national TV. Um, yeah, so 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 that's those are some of the milestones that are happening on the continent, and this is definitely a good pipeline for also young studios that are looking to make multiplayer games. For example, this will definitely be able to be played on this platform and provide visibility um, and hopefully also income as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Esports on TV. That's. Uh... A rare achievement so uh, that's very good news i'm also happy to hear that um, you still have plans to to host the event this year even though it unfortunately got cancelled last year mm-hmm. um, the games you mentioned uh two fighting games one sports game um given that we already discussed that uh, africa is such a mobile first um games market uh what's the state of mobile esports in africa is that also something that you see growing or is it really about those first games you mentioned um, it's definitely growing. Um, um, I mean, currently, I mean, we, we're seeing people like PUBG trying to run uh, competitions. Um, I think that's been picking up in Nigeria, Kenya, and South Africa, if I'm not wrong. Um, so this this is definitely, I mean, the, the biggest challenge has been um, global publishers not seeing 
Africa as a potential market. Um, I think and I believe and I strongly believe that they should. Um, if you look at the youth population in Africa, for example, uh, which is the fastest growing globally, um, um, then this will definitely lead to mobile esports. Uh, it's just that there hasn't been access to some of these games, uh, just because also um, servers there are not many servers on the continent. Uh, but as as people like PUBG also set up, then this will definitely uh, lead lead to the growth of the industry. At least as far as mobile esports is concerned, yeah. And kind of jumping to. Um revenue or kind of uh how are games making money what's the kind of split um in kenya or in, in africa in general between um advertising or ad monetization and in-game spending um and and how has kind of um in-game spending evolved over the last few years um so in africa for, for example uh i mean it's it's very much android uh I mean, most most people use Android phones. Uh, so the strategies that studios have been employing is they build two versions. Uh, they build an Android and then they build an iOS, and iOS mostly for the European market or global market, uh, just because people on iOS have uh, ability to spend. So most uh, studios are now generating money from, from this, um, but we are now also seeing a rise in terms of in-app uh, ad- advertising. So... Uh, just because also stores are now opening up. We saw Apple recently also extend its store to the African market. So definitely this will lead us spike, uh, provide more options for studios. Mm-hmm. And, and what about kind of the um, investment in the um, in local markets? As, as gaming has kind of grown, have you seen a spike in um, VC investment or uh, interest from kind of foreign or, or local investors? Um, this is more general in terms of a tech ecosystem. Um, mm-hmm. Outside gaming, yes, there's been um, a huge influx in terms of uh, investment. Uh, there have been global funds that have set up shop in Africa, um, looking to invest into, uh, I mean, generally there's fintech, edtech, um, and health tech have had definitely some of the other fast growing industries on the continent. Um, and we've seen large, large series A, series Bs being uh, locked. Uh, but in the gaming, this is something um, earlier when you introduced us, we, you mentioned that, yeah, hey, we are also a dedicated game fund. So we are definitely trying to talk to different investors uh, to see how we could be able to lock uh, specific uh, funding that will go into investing more into the gaming uh, gaming studios on the continent. Yeah. So maybe just to add that, yeah, the, the, the market is very exciting. The number of studios, uh, the market is there. Um, and, and this will definitely be able to provide a return on investment for any uh, investor who's looking to invest into the African gaming ecosystem. That's really good. Thank you. Um, on the topic of um, foreigners companies looking at uh, the Kenyan market and perhaps the, the broader uh, African market as well, um, we do see that some of the um, larger foreign games have been successful in penetrating the market. Uh, for example, uh, from what we know, PUBG Mobile, but also like global phenomenons like Candy Crush, Coin Master more recently. Um, but that's just a pick of the litter of all the uh, global games. 
that are successful. Um, can you talk about what might be the main challenges for these uh, foreign developers when it comes to, to entering the markets? Uh, and perhaps we can start with uh, Kenya first. I'd probably say awareness of the market, of uh, the demo, de- demographics, uh, for example. Um, I think this uh, information about what the market provides is maybe what is not easily available for some of these developers. Um, you know, like, for example, Candy Crush is played by women mostly. Um, and, and this will definitely be something that is exciting for any developer or studio um, or foreign developer that wants to push the games uh, locally. Um, enough in Kenya, for example, we both have postpaid and prepaid uh, kind of uh mobile billing um so which which is definitely either a plus or um um a downside for foreign developers uh, depending on how they'd want to look at it so i think uh, for developers um, it's it's mostly about how they'll be able to make money so i think some of this information is maybe what they're missing um and this is will definitely influence if they have to get to see how to get their games into this market this information, uh, we, we've spoken about this in previous podcasts, but do you feel like these, these foreign investors should establish themselves with an office in Africa before they're really able to understand the market or is that not required? Um, I'd say it depends on their strategy. Um, yeah, it wholly depends on their strategy. You know, you could always either find a local person or a local partner or set up shop and then, you know, take the risk to invest and learn. Um, or maybe thirdly, set up an office, learn, and then decide on how, how you did want to, to invest. Um, the, the, the only challenge I've seen is that um, maybe the laws is what uh, differentiates Africa from the rest of the globe. Um, generally, I know other markets have laws that protect investors. Um, so this is that, that is definitely something that also needs to happen in the African ecosystem, um, but definitely is something that will evolve um, by working together with various sector players. And, and what about sort of the, do you find that gamers um, in different countries in the region differ? Um, do you see that they sort of have a... Um, difference in preferences for specific genres or, or themes or art styles? Um, I'd say no. So they don't really differ. I think the biggest um, connecting tissues um, among each of them is definitely their skill their skill levels in terms of building. Um, so I think uh, your yeah, skill is only what um, differentiates between each of them. Uh, genres, not really. Um, it's open. Um, yeah, I think it just depends on how much skill you have. Then we'll determine what 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 path you you Yeah, yeah. And and kind of connecting to Tom's earlier question, um, how sort of important is localization um, in in Africa or in the African market? Um, you know, do um, foreign titles need to work very hard on localizing um, styles, or or is it kind of just text, um, or or is localization not such an issue? Um, I think we are fortunate to have two of the strongest uh, languages, uh, or three, I, I might say, um, English, French, and probably Arabic. Um, so games from other, other markets will definitely do well, since most people can be able to understand. Um, I'd probably maybe just say uh, maybe games from the Far East are the ones that will need localization mostly. Uh, but in terms of adoption, we are pretty much good to go. 
um, and and last question, um, maybe it's a slightly bigger one, but um, what tips do you have for kind of um, Kenyan developers or, or African game developers on making it in global markets, uh, expanding kind of globally? Um, yeah, well, well, that's a very great, great, good question. So I think generally my biggest advice would be for them to think global, um, not to just think about their particular market, uh, Kenya or Nigeria, etc. Um, they should definitely build a game with a global uh, view, um, and this will definitely help uh, push uptake. Uh, we definitely have some uh, advantages, uh, things like mobile money or uh, the number of penetration of funds, uh, this will definitely help them with the success of the game. So, yes, think global. Um, and then uh, maybe just to add um, in terms of to put excellence into what they what they need to build. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I, I like that. Put excellence in what you want to build. Uh, thank you, Douglas, very much for uh, helping us kind of uh, reveal a little bit more about I think Tom was right, what was probably an underrepresented uh, but very cool uh, emerging game market. Uh, Tom, thank you as always uh, for being a great co-host. Uh, and everyone else, thanks for listening. Tune in next episode. I think we have one emerging game market left. Thanks, Melissa, for having me. Looking forward to seeing the output. And, and thanks to Tom as well. Thank you, Douglas. And thank you, Melissa.